Welcome to the First Read Ultimate Spider-Man podcast, where we break down Bendis' iconic run on Ultimate Spider-Man, issues 1 through 160 in Earth 1610. I'm Zach. And I'm John. Good morning, Zach. Good morning, John. Um, happy Sunday. We don't normally record on Sunday mornings, but... Happy Mother's Day. Yeah, I'm not a mother, but thank you. Happy Mother's Day to you, too. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. I mean, I guess Shyla's a cat mom yeah and so is elizabeth and a dog yep, mom and a dog mom yeah. yeah uh it's funny when i was reading the issues last night i was like there's a moment that has to do with mothers and motherhood and i thought well won't this be ironic to talk about tomorrow oh there there is <laughs> i was like what are you talking about but now i remember it i almost texted you at like 10 p.m a picture of a certain panel and i was like oh well we're gonna have to talk about this <laughs> um well i'll be looking forward to when you say what panel that is yeah um i mean it's kind of an inside joke on this podcast once i say the dialogue i think it'll automatically oh register. i know what you mean yeah, yeah i know what you mean <laughs> yeah um we were just talking off air about another comic book you want to fill the listeners in on that well i was just waiting for zach to run some tests and i was kind of playing around on the marvel unlimited app and i saw the guardians comic that's like on the homepage of it that came out in 2007 and i was just telling zach how much worse i thought rocket and groot looked and zach said oh well groot kind of looks cool and i was like yeah but he just doesn't look like groot and then Zach was about to spit some knowledge at me, I think. Well, the fact that you've now disclosed that it was from 2007 kind of makes my point moot. But I was going to tell you that it's ironic that you wanted them to look like the MCU version of themselves. Because there's kind of a phrase that gets kicked around in the comic community, which is MCUification. Like, oh, I had this favorite character who was portrayed this way for so many years but ever since that damn movie came out they mcuified them and now it's the yeah. movie version of the character in the comics and i don't like it and i thought it was interesting that you were coming from the different perspective and you're like why don't these comic it's characters not look mcu like the enough <laughs> yeah 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 i can see why people would be upset with that do you know who some of the characters are that are like not similar to who they are in the comics? Well, I know specifically for Guardians of the Galaxy, that lineup is kind of um, like the movie lineup is not always the comic lineup. In fact, I think more often than not, it's not. I've I've never read any Guardian stuff. I've just kind of encountered them through other titles. But I do know that when they were introduced like the only original characters were are like Yondu and Groot and their leader was Vance Astrovic which is like a blue guy who had Captain America's shield ah uh. <laughs> and from the movie, I was just watching a video and I heard about this guy this morning <laughs> oh for real um yeah funny enough I actually was I um I was watching a Mr. Sunday movies video that they released either like this morning or last night or something where they were talking about like the different guardians that might be coming that that could show up moving forward. And that was all they mentioned about this one guy. That's like literally exactly what they said. They go and this guy, he's a blue guy who carries around Captain America's shield. <laughs> yeah, it's very weird. It's like, why would a space dude have Captain America's shield? But it's like he's from the future or something. I don't know. I don't really care. This isn't a Vance Astro podcast. But, <laughs> um, it's always when I learned that Groot was and Yondu were like Jack Kirby creations and they go back to like the 60s. I was like, huh, not what you'd expect. So have you seen the movie yet? I have not. Um, I told Shiloh about it and I was like, yeah, I think we should see it this week. And she was like, Right, but it'll eventually be on Disney Plus. And she did not used to be that way. I think Phase Bore wore down <laughs> on her. I don't think she's like 
necessarily feel strongly about Marvel movies now because we've been burned yeah. so many times. Well, recently. I, I, I barely do. I mean, I can't even bring myself to like, they're not Marvel movies, but you know, I used to go see all the superhero movies and I still haven't seen Shazam or Black Adam or, you know, probably like the most recent stuff they've put out on Marvel, like those little like things on Disney plus, like I've seen, but you know, you still haven't seen werewolf by night, which actually oh, I haven't. Good. <laughs> That's what I was going to say, but I knew that she would like that one. It, I mean, it's um, not superhero based at all, but it was, I liked it. Yeah. But, but this one kind of feels like a good one. Guardians three. Yeah. Yeah, I believe it. So I'd say I, I you guys will probably it. like it. I'll keep yeah. beating that drum until we see it. Yeah. I mean, it'd take like three hours of your day one day. So I know, but that also like guarantees that it's got to be like a weekend. Yeah. That's, that's where it gets tricky because those fill up. Yep. Okay. Well, maybe next week we'll get to talk about it. Until then, I guess this is all of our Guardians discussion. Yep, moving on to more Spider-Man-y things. Or or not. Do we, do we have anything else? Um, No, I don't. Uh, just because we sometimes talk about sports, I was going to ask if you're keeping up with the NBA playoffs or not, but I don't think you're a basketball person. Not really. I have been getting more into the Pacers in recent years just because I like their young core, you know? Yeah. Like the, the, they suck enough that the games are still kind of cheap that I get to go to one a year. Well, the, the I don't NBA follow dr- other teams. Yeah, um, it's been a pretty good playoff series. There's a big game seven tonight. Um, Is it the finals? No, it's it's actually to get to like the conference finals. So it's only the second round, but it's just uh, it's the seventy sixers and the Celtics. And there's some people at my school who are like, uh, I, I don't even know if. You can cut this, Zach, if you think it's divulging too much information. But one of the kids at at the school that I teach, his dad is like very high up in the 76ers front office. So ever since I found that out, you know, I've been rooting for the 76ers hard. I'd like to see them win. So hopefully they win tonight. How's the kid live in Indianapolis? He used to be high up in the Pacers front office and he just got a new job. Like a couple of years ago, maybe or something. I don't know. I'm not. I'm definitely not an expert at um, on this kid's life. <laughs> Do the Sixers still have James Harden? Yes, and he's been playing really well this series. He's like the only reason that they're in the series because Embiid was out for a couple games. I like James Harden. I know a lot of people have a bone to pick with him as like a defender and a teammate and stuff. But uh, my cousin has an NBA game at his house that we would play. And it's like from a couple years ago. And we always just do like the East versus West all-stars. And my, I always beat him. And my strategy is just <laughs> charged to the rim with James Harden. So he's like kind of just inherently my favorite non-Pacers player. That's awesome. That's probably a good strategy from a game a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, well, the Pacers, I do know you're a draft guy and the Pacers have, a 7% chance, it's like a little less than that, but basically a 7% chance to get the number one pick. And the guy who's going to go number one this year is like the seven foot Wimby. four. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, He's you know, like that's obviously not the highest. Threes. I think, yeah, I think the highest is see, Zach, you know, your NBA. <laughs> I, no, who I, does, who, I, who I can throw out points. a I, reference off the top of their head like that? Listen, I know like historic basketball. I don't keep up with the games. I don't. I don't know the state of the league right now. Um. Well, I think there's probably like four or five other teams that have higher chances than us, and the biggest chance is like either 12 and a half or 15 but that's still not terrible you know seven percent you can get that so that would be really fun um but so if i know the pacers they will not they will not overperform their percentage they will underperform their percentage just like they do every year they're like the fifth worst team in the league so percentage wise they're most likely to end up with like the fifth pick they will end up with like the ninth or 10th or something. It's just what always happens. 
Well, they also have but maybe not a bunch of. They also have a bunch of firsts, right? So they could trade up if someone's dumb enough to do that. Um, I don't even know. I don't even know about that. That that goes past my NBA draft knowledge. Okay, <laughs> if they have I'm more than one first here. round pick. I believe they do from like trades or something. I had heard that, but I think only one is a lottery pick. Yeah, I know that they only have one lottery pick. But NBA teams, it's like there's like five good players. And then it's like, okay, time to prepare for next year and just hope we get lucky. The NFL is kind of starting to turn that way with quarterbacks. Yeah. Yeah. Like you, you either have an alien or you're, you're nothing. And if you have an alien, you can get by with like having a bad defense or offensive line. I was just thinking that the other year where, um, like back in the Peyton Manning days or like the Andrew Luck days, it was always like best player available in the draft. You take the best player available. That's the way to like build your team and now i was just thinking about this i was like the way to build your team is draft the best qb available and just do that until you're good eventually because that's the only player that is important and if you have one you'll be good and if you don't have one then you're not going to be good enough to win a championship so you might as well just keep doing that until you you know you you hit on one and that's why like will levis fell to the second round but I so would surprising. not have a problem with the Colts have taken him, ha- whatever that English phrasing, having took him, having taken him at number four, if Anthony Richardson was gone at number three, even though he's not worth that pick, but he's the only other good QB left. So you might as well go for it. Like he could still be good. Like they wouldn't have had a choice if Richardson went at three. Yeah. Yeah, like instead of taking like Will, oh Will Anderson was gone, wasn't he? No, they the Texans took him at three. So like instead of taking Will Anderson, the best player in the draft, you know, just take the QB. Right. Yeah, that's but what they would have had to have done. But I don't know. I'm no uh I'm no front office exec like this kid at my school's dad. <laughs> All right. We should, should we get save, into Spider-Man? We save the sports to them and the Spider-Man podcasting that's, to us. Yeah, yeah, that's actually true. Yeah. Um, real quick, I just got to apologize to the listeners. If I sound weird or if I cough and don't edit it out or anything, I am getting over a pretty wicked cold that lasted all week. And I think today is like my first day where it looks like starting to clear up, but I still got a little, little coughing and whatnot that i hope doesn't come through in my voice on this pod yeah i think you're fine i sound normal to you you definitely sound normal sometimes i can hear you coughing but that's just a part of life and i don't think that the listeners will be too upset about it all right thanks john i hope they're as understanding (laughs) as you Uh, okay should throw it to the better business bureau seems like the thing to do Okay. Every business says they're better. But the ones that earn and display the BBB seal back it up. It instantly identifies businesses that are committed to operating with integrity, honoring promises, and telling the truth. Makes you wonder why every business doesn't have it. So look for it, because it's looking out for you. That's why it's the sign of a better business. And find a better business anytime at BBB.org. So we're back. Thanks, Better Business Bureau. Hopefully they've saved some of our webheads web from uh, hiring bad companies or doing business with shady door-to-door salespeople. <laughs> um, episode we, we 20... make that joke constantly because we were door-to-door salespeople and the John and Zach take down the pyramid episode is definitely coming at some point. <laughs> It'll be a I can't imagine anyone is listening that doesn't realize that at this point. But maybe maybe they're jumping on. In case they forgot. This is a previously on. Yeah. Um, okay, so episode 21, 
We're doing Spider-Man issue 31. And this is written by Brian Michael Bendis, per usual, penciled by Art Bag Art Bagley, inked by Art to Bear. Wait, it's not Art Bagley and Art to Bear. <laughs> Mark Bagley. Mark Bagley, inked by Art to Bear. We colored only say by his trans- name every week. <laughs> colored by trans digital di- dig- transparency digital lettered by Chris Eliopoulos. Okay. It's funny that you mentioned saying their name every week because I was thinking these five guys specifically, we should just have like a it's 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 by the the normal crew. The regular and breeze through it because it's always these five guys when we're in the Spider-Man Ultimate Universe. That is fair. Eventually some of those names will change, but I get what you're saying. So maybe um, that's why I messed them up today because I was already thinking ahead of time. Real we quick. say these guys name every week. Do we want a recap of previous issues? Um. Okay, so you know what? I actually think that we shouldn't because I didn't before I read these. And there were a couple scenes where I was like, oh, yeah, that happened last week. So it's up to you. I'll let you if you want to. I added them in my notes, but I'll, if you want to just start it cold turkey, we can do that. Let's just start at cold turkey, and then when we get to those parts, we'll be like, remember last week this happened? Okay. Okay. So this is called Black Van, and we've got Spider-Man and handcuffs on the cover. Captain Stacy and a couple of other cops are walking down the boardwalk, talking about a speech that Captain Stacy needs to give. Were you about to interrupt me about my boardwalk? Because they didn't actually, like. that's just what it looked like. It's specifically the Atlantic City boardwalk. Remember? Because he had told May he had to go to Atlantic City for some conference. That's where, see, that's where recapping would have helped. I didn't even realize that. I was like, why are they a boardwalk in New York? Okay, And that comes up in an interesting way in the background in one of these panels. Oh, okay. I I am not sure I noticed it, but. You'll laugh. (laughs) So they're walking down the boardwalk. Captain Stacy is kind of talking about a couple jokes that he should give to like start off the speech. And it's kind of funny. The other cops are like, don't tell that joke. It's not funny. And and Captain Stacy's like, but you laughed at it. And they're like, we were kissing up to you. And Captain Stacy's just like kind of keeps repeating. He's like, but you guys laughed. <laughs> like he can't understand. <laughs> like that they're laughing to to just, you know, be nice. Um, so all of a sudden they hear a scream and they pull their weapons out and, and go running off. They turn the corner and they see Spider-Man holding up a cop with one arm, gearing to punch him. And Zach, for a split second, I was like, oh, nice. Spider-Man is taking down a dirty cop. This is This is going to be an awesome episode. And then I remembered, no, 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 this is this is a stolen identity Spider-Man. This is a bad Spider-Man. <laughs> and do you see what he's standing in front of? What's in the background? Oh my gosh! The <laughs> infamous Trump Taj Mahal. The casino in Atlantic City that somehow went out of business. Wow, that is funny. And it even says Trump right on the on the door. That is funny. When I when I first thought that when I the reason I really exclaimed, oh my gosh, was because when I saw Trump, I thought it was gonna say like Trump for president or something like that. <laughs> but yeah. it is just his building, which is still pretty crazy. There's no way Mark Bagley knew in two thousand two when he put this in a comic book how funny it would be twenty years later. So that's out of business now? Yeah, it's the it's the casino that they were like, how do you run a casino, a casino. in Atlantic City oh and gosh. it fails? Wow. Um, okay, so bad Spider-Man's holding the cop. He's about to punch him. Captain Stacy gives Spider-Man to the count of three to drop the guard or he's going to shoot. And then we cut away from the scene. So back in high school... Peter and MJ's class is learning about Animal Farm. And Peter is not feeling very well, though. So he 
asked to go see the nurse and um of course kong is not paying attention in class at all or he's reading the book it's classic kong and peter goes down the hall and he's just thinking to himself how insane this is because he just got shot last night and he's acting like everything is fine and this is where i remembered oh yeah peter got shot last night that's why he's not feeling well in school i was thinking it's not weird that he gets sick um and he's thinking to himself about how he's going to fix his shoulder and then he opens up his locker and he sees an an envelope addressed to peter parker that says black van in the parking lot i'll take care of the shoulder hmm who's this zach who do we think this could be uh i don't know it's hard it's hard to say like considering i know who it is like i don't know well, peter if, thought maybe it was him. norman osborne right doesn't he say like if this is norman osborne i'm just gonna freak out or something He's like, yeah i think the first time i read this i thought oh surely this is a trap he says if this is norman osborne i i quit so peter walks out and um his spider sense isn't going off at all and the door is thrown open by Janet Van Dyne. And I was very excited to see her. She seems happier in this than she does in... She, she introduces herself as Janet Van Dyne here. I know! Definitely Janet Pym in that I universe. noticed that too. And it even talks about how she is on the Ultimates. So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe they're divorced. I think that's divorced. just a case of... I know this actually... This issue came out a couple months before the domestic abuse issue came out in ultimates so i think it's just a case of bendis not talking to malar and not knowing that her they're already married over in his book yeah um well i like her more in this one yeah she's nice so janet is on the ultimates but she's not a pym which zach and i just covered and she was sent by Nick Fury after seeing the fight on the news. And uh, Janet stitches Peter up nicely. And Peter asks her a couple of questions just while she's doing this. Like, if Fury's ever heard of a guy named Harry, I assume, is this like asking about Harry Osborne and what happened to him? Yeah, I think he's trying to figure out where they sent him. Okay. Um and Janet doesn't know, or, you know, if they know who this Spider-Man impersonator is. And Janet is kind of like, look, that's a bit small potatoes for us over at S.H.I.E.L.D. And she tells Peter, if someone was impersonating her, she would find him and beat the snot out of him. I didn't really buy that's small potatoes for them, because I feel like the point of S.H.I.E.L.D. is they know everything. They're on top of everything. I mean, like two seconds after Peter started going out as spider-man they already figured out who he was yeah and was, they're obviously like sending people to help peter right now so yeah it feels like they would just like they have a big enough budget they just have like a team dedicated to everything that may never even become important yeah well maybe they do know who it is and, they and they're just, just lying yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, so Gwen, we're back at school. Peter's shoulders fixed. Gwen, Mary Jane, and Peter are all walking home together. And just the nerd and his two girlfriends. <laughs> and Gwen makes fun of Peter for his terrible, like, sick acting in class. And then she calls them out for sneaking out together and not getting home until 1 a.m., and how they're like secretly dating or something and peter and mj kind of look shocked but i thought everyone knew about this i didn't know that their relationship was like a secret or anything i think they're shocked because they think she's figured out he's spider-man that's what oh, it sounds like she's talking oh. about she's like, she's like oh you can drop the act everyone else might be stupid but i know what's going on and they get, I mean, these are so Oh, beautiful. of course. Yeah. I love the art in these panels where it's just like zooming in on their faces and eyes. Um, 
there's this great that's what they were talking about okay i was like why are they so shocked that she knows that they're dating (laughs) there's this great comic artist named alan davis who's like famous for really really good expressive faces and eyes and these two panels reminded me of like alan davis art so i liked that yeah these are these are really good we've got a bunch of close-ups on all their faces over the next two pages and well i guess peter and mj think she's about to say that she knows peter spider-man but instead she does just talk about how they're dating and then they all look around and they notice cop cars in front of aunt may's house and peter runs towards the house yelling for aunt may and um this seems to be a common thing that happens like over and over again in issues. Have you noticed that, that there's always just like either cop cars or Norman Osborn cars like parked outside the house when Peter comes home and he like runs inside yelling for aunt May. Well, yeah. I mean, what do you think he's assuming? Cause keep in mind, no, I'm, I'm just saying it happens a lot. It, it I'm does. not saying he's wrong to do it when it does happen. Yeah. I just think it happens a lot. It it does happen a lot, but also to them, him like Uncle Ben did not die that long ago. I think in universe, like he died during that the same semester of school that they're in right now. Yeah. So it clearly triggers something in him when he comes home and sees cops. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, gosh, I'd be so worried. That'd be a very scary sight to come home to. Um, so it's the cops from the Atlantic City boardwalk, and then we get a couple of pages where not a word is said. The cops are just kind of standing there, and they, you know, solemnly kind of hand Gwen Stacy her dad's badge, and, you know, we hear Gwen yell no, and the the insinuation is obviously that her dad ended up dying at that whatever fight we saw with fake spider-man earlier in the issue um so it's kind of sad and last week when you were like oh what do we have to look forward to and i was like there's gonna be like some kind of conclusion to the gwen story and you're like oh cool she's gonna stop living with them i was like no her dad dies (laughs) oh man um, so over the next couple of pages, we follow Ben Urich as he talks to witnesses about what happened on the boardwalk and the story he puts together from, from going, you know, witness to witness is that Spider-Man was trying to rob an armored truck at an armored truck convention and he's just beating up this guard and then the police officers, you know, Captain Stacy and the others follow him and start shooting And Spidey begins to run across the rooftops, swearing at the cops in Spanish. And then the cops shoot Spidey's backpack, and it begins smoking as if it's about to explode. And fake Spider-Man tosses it into a crowd of people, and it's about to hit this kid eating his um, popsicle. And Captain Stacy throws the kid out of the way and catches the backpack, and then we just kind of get a close-up on his face. Um, So... Gwen, Mary Jane, and Peter are sitting on the roof, and Peter is trying to console Gwen, you know, about telling her about what the cops said, which is that Captain Stacy was a hero, and that's, you know, what Ben Urich found out also from all the witnesses, is that, you know, he was a hero, and Gwen is just kind of stewing, and all she says is, Spider-Man, and Peter kind of tries to tell her like well they aren't really sure it's actually spider-man they think it could be someone pretending to be spider-man and gwen just looks at him kind of upset and angry and asks to be left alone so peter and mj go inside and the next day peter goes to the daily bugle and ben yurk is quickly on his way out the door the fake spider-man is robbing a bank maybe or he's just like holding people hostage in a building and Peter slips out of the bugle behind him and gets into his costume and he swings himself over to the building. Uh, And our last page is is Peter Spider-Man above the fake Spider-Man who's holding a woman by the neck in a room full of hostages. 
And he's got a taser. And the fake Spider-Man has a taser at the woman's neck. Yep. Okay. Um, real quick, before we get into, like, stuff about the episode, I just, I love that scene of them sitting on the roof. Did you ever sit on your roof with your friends as a teenager? Um, not as a teenager, but I did out after college. Ted, uh, who I don't know if you've ever met Ted, maybe at the wedding. Uh, but he and I lived together, and we had a place where we had some roof access. So that's always fun. That's like a core teenage memory for me is like getting out on my roof with my friends and just feels like a whole new world out there. <laughs> that's funny. All right. What'd you think of this issue? Um, I thought it was pretty darn good. Um, like start to finish, I didn't really have any complaints. I think it went pretty well. Uh, or like went, went, it was, it was just good. You know, it's sad about Captain Stacy, but I don't have any complaints. I also don't have a grading scale. How about out of 10 famous failed casinos in the background? <laughs> um well what about this should we then grade it backwards you know like there's only i'm gonna give this nine out of ten working casinos there's only one casino that was bad enough to fail in atlantic okay. city <laughs> yeah okay out of working casinos <laughs> um and I, and I will give this one a 9 out of 10 with Trump Casino being the only one that managed to fail. Uh, because I did like it. And now I also feel like since we're going back and forth with the Ultimates, it almost feels like it's it needs to be graded on a curve. Because if I'm going to give those episode those issues of last week's Ultimates like an 8 out of 10, then this has to be higher than that. You know, because it's better. It's, it's, you know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you could say like, oh, it's not as cinematic or it's not as like action hero, like Avengers and stuff, but it's just a better read, I think. It's a teen so, drama. So I, I'm going to give this one a nine out of 10 because I thought it was pretty good. I also thought it was pretty good. I already, like, an eight out of 10 in the Ultimate Spider Man series. Just take my word for it that that means more to me than an 8 out of 10 in the Ultimates. Um, but I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10 just because I feel like usually they're very conscious in this book to like make it make sense from like a functional standpoint. And I just had such a hard time in these two issues placing okay, when is this supposed to happen? When's that supposed to happen? Because in the next one, they'll say, oh, you killed, like, Gwen Stacy's dad died today. But we saw them at night on the roof talking about it. And then we see that it's, like, the next day when he's at this bank with the imposter. And then the idea, like, Atlantic City and New York City are pretty far away. So I'm like, how was the imposter spider-man in atlantic city and then the very next day is back in new york for like like what brought him there? so that's 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 the part that doesn't make sense when you told me they were in atlantic city because i don't remember the first thing you said about oh you said you you murdered gwen stacy's dad today i, I don't i don't remember any of that happening that's in the next i know i know even in the next one so I'll, when we get there i'll have to read along with it um but because I know like the conversation you're talking about, but I don't remember this saying like today or something. Uh, but anyway, the the fake Spider-Man being in Atlantic City and then just randomly, uh, that's pretty convenient. And you said it was for an armored truck convention, which is like pretty funny. Like who has an armored truck convention and a police convention right next to each other? But like, I just don't buy that. Yeah, I almost thought he maybe was trying to get caught at the beginning because it, they even say, like, who would be stupid enough to rob an armored truck at an armored truck convention or something like that? So I, I almost thought he was trying to, I don't know, cause trouble for the real Spider-Man. So 
Um, I guess at the moment, and we'll see if this ends up happening, I'm expecting this fake Spider-Man to be more than just like a thug in a costume. I'm expecting him to like have some, some, uh, it's what's it called? Have maybe not Craven, but he's got some bone to pick with Spider-Man. Sure. It, yeah. Ooh. It'd be really funny if it was like fancy Dan or Montana. <laughs> Who is that? What? <laughs> from the dude from the Kingpin episodes. The inf- the Oh, that's right. Yep. <laughs> the dudes who wanted to knock over a McDonald's. Yeah. Yep. I love Fancy Dan. All right. Are we ready for the next one? Episode 32, issue 32. Yep. So, this one is just our same regular creative team. We open on Aunt May in her kitchen trying to call Gwen's mother. And she explains who she is and asks when Mrs. Stacy will be able to come get Gwen. And we can tell from May's reaction that Mrs. Stacy has told her she doesn't intend to get Gwen. And May tries to convince her, saying, your daughter needs her mother. And Mrs. Stacy hangs up. And this was the part where I was like, Oh, yeah, Mother of the Year on our Mother's Day episode. Yep. And we see Gwen standing in the shadows. And Gwen and May share a sad look as Gwen says, told you so. She's a piece of work. (laughs) But I don't think she makes our piece of work Mount Rushmore. This was what I was going to text you about because (laughs) truly, like... We even get a character on panel calling her a piece of work, which originally was part of the criteria. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, Peter called Justin Hammer a piece of work, but we have Norman Osborn, who's like an evil scientist supervillain who is also like the world's worst father. We have Gillette, who's somehow Gillette, even the world's you. worst, worst father even over norman osborne and then we had uh who was justin Ham- was justin hammer on there yeah or- hammer was on there but i'm making the argument that maybe we should remove hammer and well who's the fourth it. who's our fourth person uh, it was the recent edition oh it was hank pym was that hank it Pym. it was yes. hank pym yeah like if it doesn't feel like justin hammer who does some like shady business practices and some genetic engineering is on the level as like a mother who says screw my daughter i don't care on mother's day she's on her own on mother's day no less okay we'll add her to the list mrs stacy mrs stacy she is is also the day that her husband died the same father died so actually she is a real piece of work yeah and it's like aunt may calls her and is like, I don't know if you heard about your husband. And the implication is she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I heard. And then has nothing else to say to her. Like, so yeah. Justin Hammer now gets moved to the animatronic hall of pieces of work <laughs> at Disney World. And our Mount Rushmore is Norman, Mrs. Stacy, Gillette, and uh, Hank Pym. Hank Pym. Yep. Pretty That's a dis- good... That's a good team of it's despicable, despicable people. Bunch. Yeah. Yep. All right. Glad we could sort that out. Yep. And so we then see Peter, who's at the bank where the imposter is holding a woman hostage with a taser to the head. And let me see if this was the page it was on. I didn't put this in my notes, but it's funny. At some point, we see the face of the bank. And normally they try and name things like realistic stuff that won't take you out of the book. But uh, the bank that the imposter Spider-Man is holding up is called the first bank of money. <laughs> um, That's funny. Yeah. And we see Peter is at the bank where the imposter is holding a woman hostage with a taser to her head. And Peter pauses for a tense moment then webs the imposter's wrists, making him drop the taser. 
and he yanks the dude up by the wrist and then smacks him back down to the ground yelling you murdered someone today a cop a good person do you even know that do you even know what you've done there you go it does say today zach was right so maybe he's loosely using that to describe like the last 24 hours yeah it's definitely a new day it's definitely tomorrow yeah and the imposter tells him to just take the money which we know from history peter hates when when a criminal just thinks he's a criminal is like here you can have what i was stealing why would he even say this? That's clearly what what is annoying to me about this scene with what the other guy is saying is um, Peter is not saying anything about wanting the money at all. You know, Peter is talking about completely different things. And then this guy's like, just take the money. And it's like, that's clearly not why he's here. You know, he he can't fathom that other people have other motivations than what he has. Yeah. Um, And doesn't really seem to grasp, you know, what he's done. Like Peter wants him to take yeah. responsibility and he's just not capable of that. Uh, And Peter says, I see guys like you on TV, idiots running around the city, grabbing whatever they can. Like they live in a movie, like they can do whatever they want. And he grabs the imposter by the neck and asks, why my costume? Why me? And the imposter says, I just thought it was a cool gimmick. It was nothing personal, I swear. And Peter removes the mask and we see the imposter's face. And I'm sure this was a big letdown for John. But his nose and mouth are bleeding as he says, please, please, I'm just some guy. And truly, he is just some guy. It wasn't a big letdown for me. Um, no? No, I kind of liked it also that it was just some guy. I was just expecting it to maybe be something like a little bit bigger. But the way it goes and Spider-Man and this whole speech that they have about Spider-Man like yelling at him about murdering someone for him. And then this guy, like you said, just not even like comprehending the bigger picture of his actions at all. It is kind of it's like a really good scene i think like the whole thing you know start to finish when peter goes into the bank yeah and but uh, it did surprise me that he's not hispanic and they made such a point to mention that he was yelling at the cops in spanish going across the rooftop so that was the bigger surprise that he's talking to peter in english and he's just a white guy and i'm like why did they include that in earlier yeah, that was a little weird. I don't know if that was like some kind of miscommunication with um, Bendis and Bagley or if from one issue to the next, they were like, hey, maybe it's not a good look if we make him a minority. Yeah, I don't know. But that was surprising. Yeah, a little bit. Um, So Peter like throws the guy into his own money bags and he yells, just some guy. Just some guy. The world thinks I'm a murderer now. All these people are sitting here fearing for their lives, praying that they get to go home to their families just so some guy can try to steal some money. So some guy can pretend to be famous because he puts my costume on. And he says, so what's to stop me from murdering you? Huh? Why not? What difference would it make? Tell me you don't deserve it. Tell me why I shouldn't kill you right here. And all the hostages are like looking now at Spider-Man in fear as he's choking out the the robber. And we see the guy's like choking face in the reflection of Spidey's eye lens. And Peter like stops and jolts up and like backs up. And we can tell he's kind of appalled by what he was about to do. And the robber guy just starts kind of gasping out some bloodied breaths. And we see Peter, you know, just looking at him shocked. And outside, we see Officer Jean DeWolf. Um, she kind of matters. This is like our first time seeing her. Is she who took over for Gwen Stacy's dad? Um, 
I don't think she took over for him. They're both captains, but okay. NYPD's big enough. I'm sure she already had her job. Okay. Um, but she's kind of the cop that we'll touch in with now, now that he's gone. And uh, she's outside on a megaphone calling for anyone in a Spider-Man suit to come out with their hands up because they already knew the imposter was in there and then they saw real Spidey swing in. And just then all the hostages run outside in a panic and the SWAT team enters the bank to find the imposter webbed up with a note on his chest labeled from the real Spider-Man. And as Captain DeWolf starts reading the note, uh, he begins confessing to all the crimes. And we see Peter on a roof shocked that he could get so mad and ashamed at how close he came to killing someone. And this, I think, is supposed to be reminiscent of a moment in the original Spider-Man series back in the 70s after um, the Green Goblin kills Gwen Stacy and then the Green Goblin dies in his fight with Spider-Man. There's this like great scene where Peter's on a roof just monologuing like, I wanted to kill him and now he's dead. Like, I can't believe I got that close. Why don't I feel anything now that he's dead? I think this is supposed to be like a modern callback to that scene. I think that heroes shouldn't feel bad about killing villains anymore. Well, then it's 2023. If the villain's going to kill a bunch of people, you shouldn't have to spare them at the end. Listen, I I get that that's the it's the ultimate universe. Now this now this flies, this but... specifically is different because this was just some guy and he only killed one guy probably. And he didn't um, mean to. And he didn't mean to. His backpack was about to explode. It's not like he like, you know, purposefully killed him. You know, he just chucked his thing away. So, still awful. Definitely right. not, but it's we not like he was a supervillain who killed 50 people, you know, in two minutes or something like that. Right. I do think there's something to, like, that Spider-Man is, he doesn't let himself become the Punisher. Like, for better or worse, you know, he, guys like Doc Ock or, you know, Green Goblin, they're always going to break out of prison and kill some more people. And so maybe Spider-Man should have killed them in the first place, but he's just too good of a guy. He's always going to hand him back over to the authorities, you know? Yeah. That's definitely, he has figured out where he is on that, like, moral alignment chart. Yeah. And I think it's important for him to maintain that. Yeah, it is. Um, and as Peter gets home, he sees May on the doorstep waiting for him. And she says, we need to talk about Gwen. And they walk inside and find Gwen curled up. And oh my crying. gosh, Zach, I was like really nervous. We were about to get something totally different about Gwen walking into this house. I like Would definitely you? thought that it was like, you know, her mom just said she didn't want her. Her dad just died. She doesn't have any friends. She acts depressed. Like I thought maybe that this was going to be going in like a different place that i was gonna be pretty you know just upset about and i'm glad that it's not at all yeah god only knows if this were a mark millar book <laughs> yeah, yeah. right now oh my gosh that they'd be showing in full gratuitous detail yeah. yeah um nope it's it's not that uh they walk inside and find gwen curled up on a bed and crying which i think it's interesting that she was on a bed because we know she sleeps on the couch. So it was definitely either Peter's room or May's room that she just like went into to cry. Oh, interesting. And May asks her what her plan is. And Gwen says she'll probably go home to get her things and then head to Minnesota to live with an aunt she's never met. And she says that's her only living family besides her mother. And May says, considering she only knows how to cook for three and they think the world of Gwen they were hoping she'd consider staying with them. And Gwen cries and lunges into May's arm for a hug and starts sobbing. So it's a very sweet scene. And it's a good Mother's Day makeup scene 
for the one we had earlier because Zach, just because Aunt May might not have any biological children doesn't make her any less of a mother. Yes. The mother that gives birth to you is not always the mother that you should celebrate on Mother's Day. There you go. Sometimes people step up. Well said. Yeah. And the next day on the bleachers, Peter is telling Mary Jane about Gwen moving in with them. And we see Mary Jane is facing the other way with her head down. She already was as he was telling her this, but, you know, she's not moving. She's clearly in her thoughts. And uh, Peter starts asking her what? What? And she says, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. And Peter asks, just because Gwen is moving into my house, what are you talking about? And MJ says, no, that's not it. And Peter says, I can't believe you. And my notes say just read the rest of the issue because it gets real dialogue heavy and real important here. Um, she says, no, that's not it. How about because I wake up in the middle of the night, every night, crying. Did you know that? I have nightmares, Peter. Horrible nightmares that you die or I die every night. Do you know that I relive the bridge thing? I keep reliving the exact moment when I was just thrown, tossed off the top of the Queensboro Bridge. Sometimes it happens when I'm awake, right in the middle of class. I am sitting in class and 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 I'll just start falling. At first it was cool. My boyfriend is a superhero. Oh my god, my boyfriend. But Peter, you're going to die doing this. You're going to die in that stupid costume, and I know there's nothing I can say to stop you from doing it. But I never in a million years imagined that I would be tossed off a bridge by a maniac, or wiping your gunshot blood off my clothes so my mom doesn't see it. Someone is going to kill you. I can't do this. And they're both crying, and... Okay, before you get into the next part... Yeah. There's like a bit of a, we get a bit of a break here before Peter responds. So, gosh, can you imagine, I have a really big thing with heights. Like Elizabeth and I have, when we were in Australia, we climbed the Sydney Harbor Bridge where we kind of went all the way to the top of it, walked up the steps. And it was fun and it's very cool. And we're chained in, so you cannot fall, you know. Um, But when I go hiking or something... And I look over the edge. I cannot help but imagine falling. And, you know, there's nothing you can do once you're falling like that. You're just waiting to, like, splat. And it's like, I don't like it. I don't like that feeling at all. It is one of, like, the scariest things. Immediately, I, like, take steps back from the edge. I, like, don't go to the edge on stuff. So can you imagine being thrown off of, like, a bridge I mean, that would be the scariest thing ever. Yeah. Um, I've been telling you, I've known, like, in the background, like, ever since that happened, I was like, yeah, that's the beginning of the end of Peter and MJ. And that's why I said at the end of the Goblin arc, when he came back, I was like, yeah, I think of this as, like, the conclusion of the first little happy chapter of this series. Because, I mean, she didn't end their relationship right then and there but when you saw them sitting looking away from each other at the end of that issue it was i think it was basically over they just hadn't made it official yet and then the gunshot issue like was just one more thing like i feel for mary jane everything she's saying here is totally true and things that a 15 year old girl is not equipped to deal with and shouldn't be expected to and This is like a realistic way of like her, her feelings versus, you know, in the Tobey Maguire movies or something, Mary Jane is always getting tossed around and like one second away from death before she's saved. And she doesn't have any type of like PTSD or like trauma from that at all, which, which when you read Mary Jane's speech here, it's like. 
yeah, of course you would. Of course this would happen to you. Like, of course you would just, uh, every time you fell asleep and you went, you know, you would immediately wake yourself up with the, with the like dream of you just like falling. Like, yeah, that would happen. Yes, it makes her feel so real. Like, she's her own person. She's not the damsel in in distress in his story. She, like, has had her life uprooted by her stupid boyfriend going off and being a stupid superhero. Yeah. I feel for her. So do I. Yeah. So they're both crying, and they're kind of catching their breath. And Peter starts to turn on her because as we've said before he's bad at women and he's like oh i can fix this by telling her she's wrong and she's he says generally listeners when ladies are crying don't uh get bigger kind of and start pointing your finger at her <laughs> looking like you're angry that's a bad way to deal with crying ladies yeah bold move cotton let's see how it pays off yep um so he says this hey no all of a sudden you think this you never told me any of this this is about gwen and she snaps back and i love it he goes he took it up to nine and now she takes it up to ten she's even madder at him than she was before and she points at him and says peter you're right yes yes on top of the fact that our lives have become this nightmare that Spider-Man puts us through. On top of that, now you are living, living with this girl who is so pretty and interesting. And she's in love with you, Peter. And he goes, no. And she says, she is. I'm not stupid. I know. And he goes, God, her father just died. And Mary Jane says, one has nothing to do with the other. My mom. My mom sits in our kitchen year after year and pretends that my dad doesn't cheat on her when everyone on the planet knows that he does. He stays out all night and comes home drunk and stinks like a brothel. And she just pretends that everything is fine. And I promised myself that I wasn't going to do that. I promised myself that I wasn't going to play some stupid game where I tricked myself into thinking that everything is okay when it's not. I can't do it, Peter. I'm not stupid. And he says, well, I didn't know about your dad, did I? And she says, Peter, you never ask. You never ask about me. It's always about you and your stupid costume. And it was fun in the beginning, sure. And he says, how am I supposed to know about your dad and your mom if you don't tell me? I'm supposed to read your mind? He's such a dumb arse. <laughs> Another thing women love. That's what what am I supposed to read your mind? Yeah, women like it when you ask questions about them. (laughs) This is so he yeah, he's not doing very well here. And I guess I didn't really think about it because a couple episodes back I was like, gosh, you know, he would be right to be like, well, that was annoying whenever Mary Jane like tries to talk about her feelings because he does have a million other things going on at the moment. But, you know, just because he has a million other things going on doesn't make him not doesn't make it so he's not being a bad boyfriend. He still is being a bad boyfriend. He's just doing it on top of a million other things he has going on. I love Peter. Bless his heart. But I think this whole series, like straight up all 160 issues of it, is just the women in his life putting up with him and being more in the right than him. Like (laughs) he's constantly doing wrong by these ladies and never figures it out. Oh, so we're going to are we is he just going to like hop back and forth from Gwen and MJ for 160 issues? I'm not saying he's always dating them. And there's even girls that we haven't met yet. But it's just him being an idiot, like not even intentionally. He just is always saying the wrong thing or doing the wrong thing. But in a very funny, like, of course, a 15 year old boy would do that way. Yeah. Um. So he just said, you know, what am I supposed to read your mind? And she gets quiet for a second. And then she's like, but for the record, it's not just Gwen. It's all of it. I love you, Peter. 
I just can't do this. And he says, so what? We're done. And she gets up and gets her backpack and starts to walk away and says, yeah. And we get a little teaser in the corner that says next issue, Venom. Yeah. Exciting. Yes. And sad. And sad. Both. But MJ will be happier. Dude, she is better off without him. She needs to to live her life. Like, I hope she has, like, just the funnest little phase of being free. Yep. And just watching all this on the news unfold and not having to worry about it. (laughs) On a date with Flash Thompson and look over at the screen and just see Peter getting his ass kicked and be like, Unfortunately, unfortunately, like, that's the thing, though. Even if they're broken up, she can't really, like, forget about she all can't of get this. away from him yeah exactly so it's not like like she can maybe stop worrying about the gwen stuff but she can't stop worrying about the fact that her neighbor and classmate and friend is still like gonna go get himself killed and she's the only one he knows so of course he's still gonna go to her i'm sure when he has spider-man problems that he needs help with i don't know she- that but i'm just guessing no, I mean, she's still burdened with keeping his secret. Like, breaking up with him only minimizes the problem. It'll never go away for her. Yeah. Um, I don't have a grading scale for this one either, so... Um, out of ten high school breakups. <laughs> Um, I'm going to also give this one a nine out of 10 high school breakups. I thought it was really good. Yeah. Uh, it gets in, it gets a nine for me too. Um, I, you know, I love this like juicy, like the, the drama filled episodes or issues. Oh, this is great. Yeah. It really like, it makes these characters feel so real. The world's so lived in. It feels like these are, you know, my friends. That's what I connected to with it so hard when i was growing up so did you read this when you were like 10 years old or you wouldn't have been 10 i was born in 91 so you were probably like 93 so i was younger yeah so um honestly like the first maybe year of it i got like in a comic book store as it was coming out and then um some of this later stuff i waited for like the trade paperbacks but i tried to keep up with it nice so what you were like 8 to 10 reading all this uh probably yeah when i came back to like this issue that is so cute yeah i didn't get through the whole run the first time that didn't happen until marvel unlimited but um yeah these early issues hold a hold a special place in my heart oh um oh and we get venom next week yes or no two weeks from two weeks because we're back in ultimates next week yeah much to your chagrin, but we no, left, I like we left off I, at a cool place there. Exactly, yeah. That's like the Chitari invasion is about to start, or they're gonna go and beat up on some aliens. Kick some butt, yeah. Um Yeah, Venom, that's gonna be kind of a long arc. That's gonna be cool. Alright. We both don't have anything interesting. So next week, Ultimates ten and eleven, we're fighting the Chitari, and then after that we get to meet Venom back in the peter parker universe um so zach anything else to add before i before i take us out nope okay well thank you to ian hickey for our music and Alyssa seaman for the artwork you can find us we've got a bunch of different places so find us leave us a comment or a question or Or dm or a dm anything it doesn't have to be about spider-man you know Ask us about our Mother's Day plans that we're going to today. I'm going over to my family's for brunch in like 45 minutes. I was over at my parents' house last night and we celebrated Mother's Day. There you go. So tell us, what did you guys do for Mother's Day? Um, But you can find us on the First Read Ultimate Spider-Man podcast on Spotify, on Apple Music, anywhere else that there's podcasts. You can come chat with us. Leave us a comment on Instagram at First Read Podcast. Send us an email at firstreadspidey at gmail.com. Or we're on YouTube, First Read Ultimate Spider-Man Podcast, which is at Ultimate Spider-Man Podcast. 
So I think that's all of them. You guys have plenty of options to come and find us. So there's no excuse for not leaving us a comment or a DM or something or other. All right. See you next week, webheads.